Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Father, as we break open your word this morning, your word that was written a long time ago, but it was inspired by your spirit and still is alive and powerful that when we apply your word that it transforms our lives so as I open your word break open your word this morning Lord would you speak to us in Jesus mighty name Amen Amen every uh, September October I um, start praying and seeking God for a theme for the next year. And I wait on the Lord and I ask God and say, what, what direction you want us to go? And I do that because, as I was saying earlier, I want to be in a place that we are growing people, not just keeping people. And then I submit to the leadership team. I don't just go, this is what God told me, let's go do it. Uh, I'll teach on that another day. Uh, but I submit to the leadership team. We've got a leadership team and we submit to that. We pray over it. And then we discuss if there's anything. And then we set that theme for the year. And this year, the theme is uh, Pastor Carr on the first uh, Sunday when we met in January. She already announced and it's called Be Bold. Be Bold in Christ. Be bold. And I, I prayed about this. I sat on this and I thought about it. There's so many different um, questions that I had and I looked through and it just comes back to being bold. Being bold in Christ Jesus. Not just have information about Jesus. Not just have some knowledge about Jesus that you can quote some scriptures and come across like you are eloquent and knowledgeable and educated in the word of God, but actually being bold to live according to the word of God. To be bold. You know, Expression Church, we call it Expression because... I believe God wants us to express who we are and how he created us in his image. And not be afraid, but be bold in expressing how God created us and who we are in his image. Be bold. You know, as, a, as, as believers, uh, we are facing different obstacles in our city, different uh, oppositions in our land. There are different theories, different beliefs. There are different teachings. If you worry about it, if you don't know about it, just go sit in a classroom in a school and you will know how confusing the education system is right now. There's a sharp disagreement with things that are right and things that are wrong. Today, a lot of people don't know what's right and wrong. And we live in a world where if it feels right, just go do it. You know, we live in a society of relativism, hedonism. It is a pursuit of pleasure. 
self-indulgence. We just want to please ourselves and we live in this world for us, a society that is always thinking about themselves. How do as Christians, because God created us not to just live for ourselves, but actually live for him. So how do as Christians navigate in this world and culture that is forever fast shifting and it's, it's moving so fast that it's hard for us to catch up. But how do we live in this world, but not of this world and express the joy, the hope, the future, the, the, the life we have in Jesus? Being bold. I've met Christians who are afraid to say they are Christians in the workplace. I have met pastors who are afraid to talk about hell. Hell is real. Heaven is real. One day we will face our creator. That's the truth. We have to give an account to Jesus. I know you want a happy message. Let me tell you, this is a good message. It's a message of life. It's a message of eternal life. You might be here 70 years, 80 years, God willing 95, maybe 98 or close to 100 or 100 years. But let me tell you, you're going to live in eternity forever. You and I will give an account of our life. And so now we are so captivated by these, all these isms. And so we are worried about this world and, and we're losing our boldness in Christ. We have to be genuine, we have to be bold, we have to be, have an authentic and relevant faith in Christ. You know, I grew up in an Anglican church and um, born again in a Pentecostal church. I worked at a Bible college and through that Bible college every weekend I had the privilege along with my wife to go to different denominations, Anglican, Presbyterian, Methodist, uh, Baptist and few other denominations very interesting but we had the privilege to go there and minister to them and I've learned something and I want to say every movement has a, has a uniqueness and we are called to celebrate it and not to uh, look at them and compare and pull each other down and I tell you I've, I've been in ministry in certain denominations and they're all about authentic word, authentic word, authentic, being authentic in Christ, being authentic. It's absolutely important to be authentic but not just, authenticism is not just kind of knowing the word but also being relevant to the world that you're in. Relevant in the world that you're in. I, today, Margaret, I have to confess that even before you said let's take the juice, I already took the juice. And I was going, oops, I missed that. And uh, that reminded me because when I was a, uh, a child, Anglican church, growing up in a very good Christian family, fourth generation Anglican in India, and um, I had to take my confirmation. Any Anglicans who know what confirmation means? Yeah, there are a few who know confirmation means. And I had to take confirmation and the bishop was there. I want to tell you, when the bishop is in church, Jesus, you better get out because the bishop is here. The whole night I struggled to sleep because I, I was like, how do I take communion? Do I hold like this? Do I hold like this? Or do I, because it's the bishop who's giving. There's so much importance on tradition, so much importance on, on protocol that we completely forget why we're doing this, who we're doing this, and why we're here. Being bold. Have authentic faith. We still have to influence our land and our culture for the glory of God. We are 
we are to continue to be vocal, but in love. Amen. I meet a group of people who are like, oh, the world is like, oh, it's so different. It's evil. I'm just waiting in my lazy boy watching rugby and cricket and tennis and waiting for the rapture. And then there's, the, there's other people here who's like, oh, Christianity, Jesus, that's so old now. It's old-fashioned. Might as well, you know, it's just moved on. Uh, let's just carry on with life. Whatever happens, let's just carry on and live our lives the way, uh, way we want to live and far from the Word of God. But I believe there's a third way to do that, and the third way to do that is to be in this world, but not of this world. I grew up in a Christian, as I said, a Christian family, and all my Christian, uh, all my, sorry, education, from my kindergarten age, all the way to my university, it's all been done in Christian institution. Oh, a Christian institution. And when I grew up, I, I, I know my grandparents used to say they were pastors, Anglican vicars. They used to say, don't talk to them. Don't meet with them. Don't sit with them. Don't eat with them. And so there was, we were exclusive. And so we used to look down upon these people and like judge, with judgment. Thinking that we are better than them because we have Christ. They don't have Christ, so we are better than them. And then I meet another group of people here who call themselves Peter, Paul, James, John, but they live a wretched life. So I grew up thinking, oh, it's not, it's, 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 you know, keep away, keep away from the world, keep away from the world, keep away from the world. But Jesus says he has come to what? Establish a religion? No, he's come to seek and save that which was lost. He has put you here to be bold, to be the light of God, to be a salt in the earth, to be bold, to declare that we belong to Jesus. Come on. Be bold. We want to talk about being bold for the rest of the year, being bold in Christ and how to be bold. I'm just introducing this today. Being bold in our faith, in our culture. Because many people are giving up on their faith. In Matthew chapter 24 verse 10 it says, And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Many will turn away from me in the last days. Many will walk away from God. Why? Because we've never learned how to trust in the word of God. We've never learned to believe in the word of God. We've never learned to read the word of God daily. We've never learned to obey the word of God. And I'm telling you, the world will deteriorate. It is just the beginning. It's not going to get better. No, it's not. And as generations, I want to say this, you know, we are not a church for just young people. We are not a just church for old people. We are a church for everyone. Amen. I celebrate to have people who are older than me in this church. Who have got, walked longer than I have. Who actually can teach the word better than I can. Who, and it's great. I don't want to compare and compete. I want to compliment to complete the mission of Christ. We got three generations, and I thank God. I mean, we celebrated Dan and Pam. They've, Dan's been an elder in this church. They've been here nearly 40 years in this church, and that's great. It's great to still be here and continue to, to, to inspire people. Amen. 
So there's young people, I want to say, don't look at uh, all the congregation and go, whoa, I got nothing in common with them. No, be bold to say, hey, would you speak into my life? Teach me. And those that have got, gone, um, walked longer than us, pray for the young people and spend time with them. There's tremendous amount of deception in this world. Tremendous amount of deception. Who's going to teach us? Yes, the word of God. But would you also take time to mentor and encourage us? And I've meditated a lot on this verse in Joshua chapter 1 and verse uh, 1 to 9. And I want to break that today briefly and also touch an inspirational story from the story of David. But before I do that, I want to give you a bit of background about Joshua. Now, Joshua is the first book named after a person. And Joshua means, the Lord is my salvation. Joshua was an assistant to Moses. And he later became the successor. He was in his 40s when uh, he spied the land with Caleb. And due to the other 10 who actually disobeyed the word of God, Joshua, none of those other 10 uh, 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 spies and their families, they never entered into the promised land because of their disobedience to God. But also Joshua and Caleb had to pay the same price and walk around in the wilderness for 40 years. Joshua grew up in, in slavery in Egypt for four, first 40 years. And then he was a spy. And then now, here is God talking to him in his latter days of his life, around 80, 85. God is calling him to finish the work that God started through Moses. I'm just giving you a bit of background. Because God is a God of generations. Come on. If you think, if you're retired and you're thinking you want to put your feet up, read the newspaper and watch a bit of... I love sports. If sport comes out, that's just me, okay? Because I've been watching a lot of sport. Tennis is finished, but it's going to start again. You know, Formula One's going to start again. Hallelujah, if you're into that, you know? But it, it digressed quickly. Okay, if you think you want to just sit down and let the sun go down, no, no. You have a plan and a purpose by God. You might be in your 60s, 70s, 80s. God has a plan for you. If you're breathing, he still has a plan for you. Why us as children in the church, it's amazing I find that, that as Christians we, we find one thing wrong and we fight over it. Why? You know, too dark, too bright, too cold, too hot. You know, we fight over little things, but instead of, and then we think that because we are spirit-filled, this is another thing. You know, Pentecostal people, we are spiritual people. We can prophesy. We can jump up and down. But can I just say that's your gift. What glorifies God is our character. Amen. We can jump up and down and all that stuff. Yeah, sure, you can do that if the Lord is ministering to you. I'm not judging that. But what I'm judging is the fruit that you and I bear. Somehow we think that we're more, more uh, 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 you know, I served in a church, it's funny, and they didn't believe in, um, in, in the Holy Spirit, and there was a transition, and they wanted to learn about what this Holy Spirit is all about, and, and the gifts of the Spirit, and what not. And they gave me a name called Penty, because I was a Pentecostal guy. 
plenty. You know, and, um, and, and the fascinating thing in that is, instead of comparing, uh, 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 we started to work together and begin to see God move, and it was fascinating. I've learned a lot too during that time. So, so here is Joshua, 40 years, and he grew up in slavery. He understands what oppression is. He understands what hardship is. He, he saw inhumane uh, people being treated inhumanly, man to man, man against man. Joshua is somebody who takes um, excuses away if wherever, whenever we want to blame our past for who we are and what we are today. Joshua knew what it is to be in slavery. Joshua knew what it is to be a spy. Joshua knew what it is to walk by faith. Joshua knew what it is to be bold. When 10 people are saying, uh, don't take the land, two people said, yes, really take the land. Joshua knew what it is to be bold. And now he's in his 80s, Moses is gone, and now God is telling Joshua, rise up. I want you to lead these people. Joshua was a fighter. Exodus 17 says Joshua was a fighter. He fought war. He understood how God moves. He was oppressed. He was a slave. He, was, he knew what abuse was, but he never used that as an excuse. Come on. He never used that as an excuse to ruin his today and destroy his future. He was bold to trust in God. He was bold to believe in God and to speak God. When his friends were saying, no, 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 we can't take the land. It was Joshua and Caleb who said, no, we should take the land. He was bold. If it was a Baptist church, voting. If it was a Pentecostal, we go, ah. Oh. Sometimes, you know, we talk about faith, faith, faith. And, and sometimes we move away from faith into assumption. We confuse faith with assumption. And we've got to be careful because we need to learn to read the word of God. Because he will teach us. If you go driving your car and there's traffic in Sylvia Park or in Newmarket Mall, wherever you're driving, and you're driving, you go, God, give me a car park. Hallelujah, I got a car park. Praise Jesus. Do you think Jesus died so that you can get a car park? <laughs> Sometimes we treat Jesus as a personal assistant. We'll really do. It's like, oh God, give me the bus, you know, let the bus arrive or train arrive. You know, he's like, he's like a PA. Jesus is not your PA. You exist for him. I exist for him. He is a mighty sovereign God. Hallelujah. He created heavens and the earth. Earth is his footstool. He's having a foot spa. Pedicure? It is pedicure. He's a mighty God. He, 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 he's, a, he's a powerful God. He's a sovereign God. And sometimes we make God so personal and so it, it's like we take God for granted. It's like, oh, he's just my, I have a friend of God. I'm a friend. It's good he's your friend, but come on. Show some love. Show some honor. 
Show some respect. Show some, some, what is love and honor? Obeying God, loving God, what the word of God says. That means God, even if you, even if you answer my prayer, if you don't answer my prayer, even if I die of sickness, I know that I will still love you. I will confess, being bold, that you are my God. You are my God. Being bold. So this is the context here. This is the, you know, kind of continuation from Deuteronomy into Joshua. Now, God is saying to Joshua, look, Joshua, he, Moses is done. Moses is gone. Don't, and let's read it, right? Moses, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Mo, Moses' assistant. He said, my, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua, don't just sit there and cry over what happened in the past. My, my son is dead. Moses is dead. I took him. And he goes on to say, Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. Amen. And I, I, I was reading this and I want to say this, a lot of us, even in Christendom, a lot of us reminiscent of the past and we want to create the past in the future. No, God is a God of seasons, amen. God is a God of generations, hallelujah. He, you know, he's a God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We can't, we can't recreate the past. Today's a new day. We've got to look to God. Yes, whatever happened in the past, I understand. Lord, would you forgive us? Or God, would you heal our hearts so that we today are fully geared up to maximize our future for the glory of God? You know, the Israelites, when they complain and they continuously complain, a lot of us complain because, you see, the Israelites didn't know what they had in the future. So whenever we don't know what the future holds, we always gonna, we want to go back to what we know. Because nobody likes uncertainty. Whenever we don't have a vision for the future, we always go back to the past that we know. And I want to say this, if you are holding back because of your past, I don't know what your past was, I don't know how you were brought up, I don't know what happened to you, God knows, God has set you free, he's washed you with his precious blood, amen. He looks at you and he calls you righteous, you are righteous in the sight of God, not because of what you did, it's because of what Jesus did on the cross, and so when I stand in his presence, my past was a wretched past. Trust me, it wasn't a great past. I was all those things that the world would talk about. I was all those things and a bit worse. Yes, I came from a middle class, good Christian family, good church going family, very well known in the church community and whatnot. But man, on the other side, I was a drug, a drug addict, alcoholic. I was all those things, but God redeemed me. I can talk about that because I am healed. My past does not hold me anymore. Christ holds me in my future. Amen.
So he says, now stop reminiscing, stop grieving, stop sitting there. Move on, Joshua. I've given you this time to lead them. Verse 3, I promised you what I promised Moses. And he says, and wherever you've set foot, you will, be, uh, you will be on land I've given you. From the Negev wilderness to the south and Lebanon mountains in the north and the Euphrates River in the, in, the, in the east and Mediterranean Sea in the west, including the land of the Hittites. Now, one will be able, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. How cool is that? God is saying, I'm with you. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. That means he's saying, trust in me and my promises. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you, Joshua. Then he goes on to say, verse 6. He says, be strong and courageous. Now you need to understand, Joshua is in his 80s and God is saying, be strong and be courageous. Let me tell you, Joshua was strong and courageous in his 40s. Joshua knows what it is to fight. Read Exodus 17, how he destroyed the Amalekites. While Moses was upon a mountain and Aaron and Hur were holding hands and Moses was so tired that he had to sit on a stone and every time Moses' hands grew weary and went down, Joshua was actually fighting in the valley and he was losing the battle and it was Joshua who was a warrior killing people. Joshua knows what it is to walk in courage. Joshua knew what it is to walk with boldness. But here, 85, and God is encouraging him. And he's saying, Joshua, be strong, be courageous. For, the, for, you, for you are the one who will lead these people uh, to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. That means don't lose heart. That means be bold. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night and you will sure to obey everything written in it. Only then you will prosper and succeed in all you do. Verse 9, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There are four times in chapter 1, God is encouraging Joshua to be strong and courageous. In verse 6, Verse 7, verse 9, and I didn't read verse 18. He says, be strong and be courageous. And I believe God is asking us to be strong and be courageous. I don't know what you're facing in your life. I don't know what you're facing. Maybe you're finding it difficult to lead, to, to bring your children up in the Lord. Maybe you're finding it difficult in your job. And maybe you're finding it difficult to, in your marriage. But I'm saying uh, the, the, the word of God is be strong and be courageous. Be bold. Be bold. Maybe people are hassling you because you are a, a Christian and you don't do what they do and they ostracized you. That's what I'm going through at home. 
my daughter got ostracized in a French circle. And for her, that's a living hell. To go to school and not have friends because everyone's getting drunk and she doesn't want to. Be strong, be bold, and live with those convictions that God has given you. So how do we be strong and be bold? I want to give you two points in here very quickly. The, the comfort in knowing that the presence of God will lead us and guide us. He's saying, I will be with you, Joshua, in verse 5. I will be with you. I will not leave you. He says, I will never fail you. I will be with you. There's a comfort to know God is with us. Amen. God is with you in your workplace. God is with you in your parenting. God is with you in your marriage. God is with you in your business. God, he's available to lead you, to guide you. Amen. Number one, he says, my presence will go with you. Number two is the counsel of God's word. He says in verse seven and eight, meditate on my word. Read my word daily. Meditate on my word daily, Joshua. What does that mean? Observe, obey, study the word. Can I encourage you? Study the word of God. Study the word of God. Because in today's life, if we don't know what the, the, the troubles we may face tomorrow, but there's an answer in the word, amen. Study the word of God. Learn the word of God. Because it's the word of God that will help us to navigate this life. And meditate on it. Observe it. Meditate on it day and night. So if you say, how can I walk by faith? How can I walk, be bold in Christ? Study the word of God. Meditate on his word. Apply the word. You know, God wanted Joshua to be guarded, guided, and governed by his word. God wants us to be guided, guarded, and governed by his word. How cool is that? To, to know what, how do I, seriously, how do I parent my children? Read the word. The Bible is very clear. It says if you don't have wisdom, what does it say? Be foolish? No. If you lack wisdom, ask. He will give us wisdom. I don't know what the answer with my grandchildren. My, 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 my grandchildren don't follow God. God, what, is, what do I do? Ask God for wisdom. I have a friend who served God and who loved God. He's still alive in his 90s. Loved God, loves God. He's a great teacher of the word of God. And he's well known in this nation too and other nations. An amazing Bible teacher. But how quickly that his sons didn't follow God and his grandchildren have no clue about God at all. How quickly can generations miss out Knowing God. We have a job to do. We have a job to do. We got to be bold in teaching the word of God. 
We have to be bold and stand on the word of God. We got to be bold. How? By the help of the Holy Spirit. By the help of the Holy Spirit. To stand, to proclaim the gospel. It takes boldness. It takes bold faith to say, I belong to Jesus Christ. It takes bold faith to stand and be baptized in water. It, fa- it takes faith, bold faith, to publicly pray. It takes bold faith to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's plan for people. It takes bold faith because we want to keep everyone happy. Yeah, and we are, we, we've become so wise that in being so wise, we are deceiving ourselves from the truth. Don't dilute the truth. Speak the truth. Be bold. I've got three points. And uh, I'll move fast, but how can we be bold? Number one, get to know God. Get to know God. Daniel 11.32 It says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. People who know their God shall be strong. People who know their God shall be strong. Get to know God. Get to know Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of um, people focus on the exploits. You know, oh, if you know God, you can do great things for God. Yes, you can do great things for God. But number one is, first of all, when you know God, you will be strong. I had a, a theologian who taught me at a Bible college in uh, India, American guy. Uh, great information, great, amazing theology, amazing uh, knowledge he had in the Word of God. Brilliant teacher of the Word. And uh, over, um, uh, what was that? September 11, 2001, you know, when the Twin Towers went down. And uh, one of the gentlemen, he was leading communion in the church I was part of, and he was talking about the communion, and he mentioned something about the Twin Towers, because it just happened that, you know, a few days before that Sunday. And uh, this theologian guy, who everyone kind of looked up to, um, and uh, he knew a lot of information, and he, as soon as this guy, I can't even remember what he said, but there was a commotion because he got up and he started cursing. He started yelling at this guy in the church and he literally storms out, kicking a chair, storms outside and we, we were all kind of shocked. And I look at that and I looked at, uh, I always think of him because it's not how much word you know, it's actually how much word you practice that matters. It's not how much word or what studies you've done theologically. It's not about just head knowledge. It's actually application of that. He was a great teacher of the word. But when pressure came upon him, he just completely lost it. And I think one of the problems with us as a Pentecostal churches, we are one, so I'm just sharing that. We focus too much on the gifting I was like, wow, he's a great teacher. Wow, he's a great preacher. We should have him here. We should do this. And we can focus too much on the teaching, but we don't focus on the character. 
We need the character that glorifies God, not our teaching and preaching. I often tell um, the preachers that are preaching too, you know, especially the young ones. I'm still young, by the way. I just, uh, just wanted to qualify that statement, you know. And the young ones, and I said, look, I don't want you to be a great preacher. I want you to be a great leader. Because preaching is only 40 minutes. After that, lights are off. Everyone goes home. It's only 40 minutes. But what matters is greatly. See, they're already manifesting. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm encouraging. You know, we focus so much on leadership. What about a character? Oh, but oh, I'm a prophet. I, am, I had somebody in this church. I was sharing with somebody. He said, and, and this person said, I'm the prophetess of God. I said, okay. So? You can, have, you can give all your talents. Oh, but I'm, I'm anointed by God. Oh, I'm, when I pray, people will be healed. Great, good for you. So, what's your character like? What if somebody crosses you? Would you just rip into them or would you bless them? Be bold. Get to know God. Those who know their God shall be strong. Amen. And carry out greater. Be strong in God. Be strong in God. I want to dwell more on this. Be strong in God. Be strong in God. Today, the pressure of the world is tremendous. Be strong in God. Get to know God. When you get to know God, you will know who you are in Jesus. When you get to know God, then you will know why he created you. When you get to know God, you will distinguish between pleasure and purpose, preference and call. You will realize that when you get to know God. If you don't know who you are, find out in Christ. You are made in the image of God. It all starts from there. Amen. Yes, I'm Indian. Yes, I eat with my fingers. Yes, I wobble my head and all that stuff. Yes, I do all those. But I tell you, I am bought with the precious blood of Jesus. God has anointed me to preach the good news. So I will preach it till the day I die. You can spit on me. You can call me names. But yes, it will hurt. But I'm quick to forgive. Sometimes takes a bit of time, but I'm getting there. Come on, we're all broken people. I was uh, having dinner with a couple of friends, and it's amazing how people are looking for the word of God. I was having friends dinner with friends. I was friends. I was having friends. That's interesting. I wasn't eating my friends. I was having dinner with a couple of friends last week and um, the owner of this restaurant comes, his friends with the friend of mine and um, so he sits there and having dinner and then he asked me, what do I do? I told him, I'm a pastor and so he leans over after a while and he goes, Peter, do you just make up your own stories or do you preach the Bible? You know? And so this other friend said, no, 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 Peter preaches from the Bible. He uses his experience. I'm like, thank you, thank you. I really like you now. But, but the reality is there are people out there looking for the truth. More than we are prepared to share the truth. I was very challenged. I'm like, wow, how do you know? 
What happens in a church, my friend? Be strong in the Lord. And I want to quickly share about David, how David was strong in God. He knew God. And um, when in, in, in 1 Samuel 17, when Goliath came and threatened David, and David was strong in the Lord, amen. David was strong in the Lord. David knew who he was in the Lord. David knew what he was called for. David knew what he was supposed to do. David saw himself in the light of God. And David knew why God created him. And in Psalm 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 26. And here is the, 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 the Philistine. Uh, Goliath is threatening and challenging and accusing and intimidating the Israelites. And uh, here comes a little boy named David. And he challenges the Goliath because he knew his God. And, and I look at this in verse 26. He says, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? You know, he was just a boy and everyone was looking at this stature, this big lad who has done a lot of war. He's, he's, he's an expert in war and everyone was terrified. But David doesn't look at a warrior. He looks at a man and he goes, you uncircumcised Philistine, you who are not part of the covenant, who are you to come and take and challenge and intimidate my people? He knew his God. Amen. How much do you know God? To stand strong. Get to know God. Number two, God can't work through fear. God can't work through fear. Fear opens the door for enemy to work in our lives. Faith opens the door to, for God to work in our lives. Fear comes out of our flesh, out of our circumstances, out of what we, are, we think and feel. But faith comes by reading the word, hearing the word, and applying the word in our heart. The Hebrew word for faith comes by hearing. That word hearing means it's not just hearing, it's obeying the word. Faith comes by hearing and obeying the word of God. We have two choices on how we face this life. It's either faith or fear. There are so many Christians who have Compromise their destiny, their, their call, because they've listened to fear. I'll read this to you because fear, look at how fear will intimidate you. Because God cannot work through fear. 1 Samuel 17 verse 4. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion of Gath, it's not on your screen. Just hear this, please. Came out, of the Philistine, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine, nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, his, uh, a bronze coat of ma uh, mail, weighted 125 pounds. He also wore a brown, bron bronze leg armor. He carried a, a bronze javelin in his shoulder. A shaft and of his spear, and he was uh, heavy and thick, uh, and tipped with an iron sharpen that weighed uh, fifteen pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. So this is talking about the intimidating spirit. Then look at this: 
Goliath in verse 8, that's on the screen. Goliath stood and shouted and taunt, uh, shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all, why, why are you all coming out to, uh, uh, why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul, this is what I want you to hear. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. There was no one in the Israelites' camp who could fight. They were terrified and deeply shaken. What are you terrified and deeply shaken today? Is it your future? Is it your future? I'm in my 20s, I should do this. I'm in my 30s, I should have this. I'm in my 40s, I should have accumulated these things. I'm in my 50s, I should have done this. I'm in my 60s. What kind of future is intimidating you today? God can't work with fear. And when David comes up and David says, look, I will fight him, don't worry. Look at Saul's language in verse 33. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy. He, and he's been a man of war since his youth. What are you speaking to yourself and what are the labels that you're listening to? God wants us to be bold. God can't work with fear. Maybe someone's called you. You're just a boy. You're just useless. You are not good for anything. You know, look at your track. You know, you, you, if we Google your name, things may come out. Oh, Peter, you've done that. What is chaining you today? What is holding you back? Is your, few, is your past holding you back? Shame, guilt of the wrong things that you've done. It's holding you back and it's intimidating. And then someone comes along and tells you, you can't do that because you're not educated. You can't do that because you don't have enough experience. You can't do that because you're not qualified. But I want to say the Holy Spirit has, is, lives in you and has qualified you. Amen. You are qualified by God. And I love this, the third point is we got to walk or talk ourselves in. What do I mean by that? You know, a lot of the times we talk ourselves out. We always talk ourselves out. Oh, I don't want to do that. It's not me. I don't want to do that. That's not me. I don't want to do, do that because if I, uh, last time I did it, I experienced failure. I had anxiety. And we talk ourselves out. But imagine what happens when we talk ourselves in. How often do we talk ourselves in into the plans and the purposes of God? How often do we talk ourselves in to go, yes, I can't do anything, but with Christ, I can do all things. That's talking yourself in. 
Talking yourself out is, ooh, look at me, I, I'm a sinner, I'm a shame, you know, horrible person. I can't do that. That's talking yourself out. But talking yourself in is going, I'm anointed by God. His blood is over me. I'm a child of God. I can do it with Christ. That's talking yourself in. When you read the Bible, you go, well, that's not true because I don't feel like it. I know you may not feel like it, but talking yourself in is to say, God, I don't feel like what you call me here. You say I'm the head, not the tail. But let me tell you, I feel like a horrible person, a failure, Lord. But your word says you call me the head. So now I'm going to talk myself into that by faith. And when you talk yourself into it, you will... Walk in the purpose of God and fulfill the destiny of God in your life. When I said to the Lord, I want to serve you, I had no clue what I was signing up for. No clue. There are some things that I have done, I'm like, I don't even know. Some meetings I go into, my stomach is sick. I, have no, I don't know what to say to these people, but I'm talking myself in. I'm talking myself in because I know if I open my mouth, God will put his words. I don't have all the answers. Some people come and go, hey, what do you think? What, what, what do you think is happening? I don't know. But I don't talk myself out, but I talk myself in. Talk yourself in. And I want to show you this because choose boldness. Take that chance by faith. Walk over that spirit of fear. Satan tries to keep you from moving forward, but faith wants you to move forward. Talk yourself in. Talk yourself in. Oh, I'm not sure what's going to happen in my life if I do it. Do it anyway. Be bold. Be bold. Talk yourself in. In 1 Samuel 17, 6, for 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. But look at what David said. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I will talk myself in to go and fight him. Because I'm not fighting him in my strength, I'm fighting him with Jesus. There are so many of us who have talked ourselves out from the promises of God. And you know how we do that? In my past, or I grew up this way, or you have no idea what happened in my past, and I understand that, or some things I don't understand, but I want to say, don't talk yourself out of your destiny. Talk yourself into your destiny. Because today is the day you can be bold. And when I say, hey, why, why don't you do that? Oh, no, that's not me. Because we have listened to a lie of fear has gripped us. And I'm encouraging us, be bold. Can I have the worship team? Be bold in Christ. 
Psalm 118 verse 5, I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is, my, is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Isaiah, uh, Isaiah, oh, I lost the, is the chapter on there? Yep, Isaiah 45, uh, 2, and Isaiah 12. All right, 1 to 3, it says, let's read Isaiah 1 to 3. And in that day, you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, my God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, which is God, the Lord is my strength and song. He, is also, he also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Isaiah 45, 2, it says, I will go before you and make the crooked place straight. How cool is God? I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. See, when you read the word, you will know God is for you. As we conclude this morning, I'm praying over us, be bold in Christ. Be bold in those dreams that you think are shattered. Come on. Revisit those dreams. Be bold to go and reconcile those relationships that are broken. Be bold to speak the word of God over your children. Come on. You know, it doesn't matter what you call my son, he is still my son. It doesn't matter what he's done, he is still my son. And I will continue to speak life over him. And that's how God looks at you. What areas do you think in your life you need boldness in? You know, I don't need boldness to pray for salvations. I don't need boldness to pray. But I need boldness to go talk to them about Jesus. What are you afraid of and you're talking yourself out? Would you talk yourself in? Can we stand to our feet? I pray that you will meditate on the word. As we sing this song, I want to encourage you. Let Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and Show you the areas that you need to be bold in. And as he reveals that, put a plan to it.
pray into it exercise by faith the word of god and be bold in christ